the band got back together um, and they went out on the road. I got my dad tickets for Father's Day. And I was, I said, I was a casual fan. And uh, it took him. We saw uh, we saw Bruce up in Newark and the live performance, just like so many other people just absolutely blew me away. I just I remember at the beginning. I was like, I don't know a lot of these songs that he's playing. And then the energy, you know, your jaw starts to drop. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm watching something that is unparalleled in live music. And that was what hooked me. That was one of those moments I remember driving home, coming down the Jersey Turnpike to saying, like, what did I just see? Like that just blew my mind. And I had gone to a ton of concerts as a kid and in college. And it was like, uh, it was like, if you have, you're playing a game of chess and somebody just puts their arm on the board and just wipes all the pieces away and just redefine it. And that's, I was hooked ever since. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Tonight is going to be a good one. Uh, my guest and I have already talked like 20 minutes before I even hit record. Uh, Bruce Kramer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jesse. Yes, uh, we have established that. Um, like many of us, we started podcasting because our significant others are like, go talk to someone else about this crap. <laughs> right on. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. So tell us a little about yourself, Bruce. Yeah, man, I guess I'm about as Jersey as they come. I mean, my name's Bruce and I, I live in New Jersey. Um, I grew up in Southern New Jersey, kind of in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but now I live about 20 minutes from Freehold where Bruce Springsteen was born. Yes. Uh, I'm married, three kids. My wife and I met at the Jersey Shore. Uh, we got married at the Jersey Shore, just uh, the town just south of Asbury Park. Um, I keep the lights on. I'm a marketing manager for a large company in the automotive industry. Okay. But when I'm not doing that, um, I managed a music store when I was in college, and that really introduced me to all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, my family is really into going to concerts, and I'm one of the hosts of a podcast called The Prisoners of Rock and Roll which the title actually comes from Springsteen. You know, he'll sure. yell that sometimes at the end. That's a great name of a podcast. Some of his shows. Yeah, it's, it was pretty good. It kind of just had this epiphany one day. Um, and it's kind of geared, I guess, a little bit more toward the hardcore music fan. Each episode, we talk for about two hours. We put a lot of research into it. We've done everything from like the history of the blues to uh, all the great music that came out in 1991. And of course, we did a show on Springsteen. We talked about his uh, his beginning up into his superstardom with Born in the USA. So his ascension and the band and how did he get where he was? Okay. Well, I'm going to invite myself in to if we want to do from the reunion tour forward, um, I will invite myself to join you. I I would love to have that discussion. And the reason why is uh, about a year ago, might have been longer or less, like time all goes, especially during COVID. But I had a guy on and he said, I was at the reunion. I was at the one of the reunion shows and I was in the pit. And I thought to myself, this is it. 
this is my ultimate Springsteen fandom moment. The band had broken up. They are back together. I have seen them play and I never thought I'd see them again. Um, maybe every few years they'll do a greatest hits tour and they'll be the oldies act. But, you know, this is the ultimate as a Springsteen fan. The era is over. And he says, I would love to go back in a time machine and tell that guy, you've got <laughs> another 25 years. Yeah, of You've got the rising. You have magic. You have Springsteen on Broadway. You know, you just the amount of stuff he has left into the tank. You just would never believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, growing up, Bruce, was it a musical family? Uh, did you guys listen to a lot of music? It was, man. My parents listened to a lot of soul music and 50s doo-wop like Motown, the Ronettes, Darlene Love. I have some really fond memories of my parents just having the oldie station on the basement stereo on on a Saturday night. And we weren't really doing anything else. We were just kind of hanging out, listening to music. Um, and my dad was also into Springsteen, which is probably where I got into it. I always remember he had it was either born in the USA, was always on a cassette tape. Or he had the box, the live box set, and he sure. would be playing that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's good. So, you know, you you've said that you've shared you shared that you've listened to a couple episodes. So, you know, my one of my questions is, like, when did you first discover Bruce, and what about him spoke to you? But yours is one of those where he's just always been in your life. I take it. He has been, but it was always like a casual fan. And okay. then when the band got back together. Um, and they went out on the road. I got my dad tickets for Father's Day. And I was, I said, I was a casual fan. Right. And uh, it took him. We saw uh, we saw Bruce up in Newark and the live performance, just like so many other people, just absolutely blew me away. I just I remember at the beginning. I was like, I don't know a lot of these songs that he's playing. And then the energy, you know, your jaw starts to drop. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm watching something that is unparalleled in live music. And that was what hooked me. That was one of those moments I remember driving home, coming down the Jersey Turnpike to saying, like, what did I just see? Like, that just blew my mind. And I had gone to a ton of concerts as a kid and in college. And it was like uh, it was like if you have you're playing a game of chess and somebody just puts their arm on the board and just wipes all the pieces away and just redefine them. And that's I was hooked ever since. You know, I I've told the story other times. And so if you're a regular listener, jump ahead. But um, my first show was a rising show. I had just, it, it worked out that I had never seen Bruce live, partly because I lived in Louisiana. You know, I, I, I moved to Dallas like in 86, um, but you know, I, no money. And then you had a kid in 89 and there's all this other things are going on. So 2002, I go to the rising and I had bought the CD, but I had listened to it maybe once, twice, not really. And all of a sudden, it, the story I say is I felt like I walked into the middle of a movie. And so I didn't know what was really going on, but I knew it was a really good movie. And I knew that I was entertained and I was desperate to know what was the first half of that movie. Um, and, you know, my wife, on the other hand, like she like they did working on the highway and that was the only song she knew really and uh and she said were you happy and I'm like well 
I had never seen Bruce live. If he had walked out, played Born to Run and walked off, I would have been happy. Like, okay, I've got to hear Born to Run live. And ever since then, you know, it's that the deeper and deeper you get in the catalog, the more it it is. And I think that's two kinds of people, people who go to a show and go, boy, that was long. And the other people that go, oh my goodness, what what just happened? When can I do this again? Yeah, there's definitely the moments where you're like, but he's never played. Uh, she's the one with the Spanish eyes opening, and he's doing it now. Yeah. Or yes. you know, those those second level music nerd type things that I love. But yeah, sometimes my wife is like, I, it's too much. Well, it, exactly. And uh, Bruce, that's where this the the name of the podcast came from. And after I'd been doing this a couple of years, someone said, why didn't you name it Jackson Cage podcast? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, now great. you tell me, you know, because I'm Jesse Jackson. I'm like, damn it, that was perfect. Uh, but yeah, um, set Lusting Bruce, because when you're not there and you hear that he is doing that, uh, oh my God, he's doing, you know, uh, you know, he's doing the promise. Oh, I can't believe that, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's doing the wish, uh, you know, or something you're like, oh my goodness. Um, I, what the hell? And, and you wish you were there. Yeah. So, um, so once you, you know, kind of, you went to the road to Damascus, which is in Newark and your eyes were light, it lit up and you could now see, uh, what was the next steps? Yeah, I guess I, uh, I jumped into the river of salvation that he talks about all the yes. time. Um, the rising too. That was you know, right around the rising came out shortly after it. And uh, Lonesome Day always has had a really profound impact on my life. I've I've had moments in my life where the refrain of "It's all right, it's all right," I just feel like he's speaking to me. You know, it's, it's just one of those songs that when I'm having a bad day or I'm hitting some tough times in my life, I put that on and I find some real solace in that song. But you know, as I then I started diving further back into the catalog. I became rather obsessive about downloading concerts and iTunes. And I, I probably, it was like, well, it was in the thousands of different tracks I had and, you know, several hundred versions of Thunder Road and all this other kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've just become, every time he comes on the road, I, I go see him. Um, yeah. I had a year, one year I saw him like nine times. I followed him from like Boston down to DC. A couple of my buddies that are like deadheads were like, oh, you're like the New Jersey version of a deadhead now. You're following Springsteen around. Um, I, I, to me, seeing him live, man, is like going to church and school and a concert all in one time. And I never give, I, as I go to 12 to 15 concerts a year. I have never gotten that experience, that emotion, that rush that I do when I see him. You know, Bruce, I, I had a guy on the show that says, I am an atheist. I am a very, um, I'm a firm atheist. He said, and the closest I have to a spiritual leader is Bruce Springsteen. He yeah. said, and, and, you know, he doesn't make me go to church. He doesn't have a collection plate he doesn't ask me he said but every couple of years you know my version of i go to a show and uh i you know and i i'm reborn i you know i i am uh i i have refreshed and uh so yeah i get that i get that a lot yeah um, i totally get what you're saying man yeah. I, like you you just 
it, it it's you experience something on another level if you're really into his music just the energy that he puts out and i think as the older he gets the more you appreciate it too that he's like yes you know my back hurts from standing up for two three hours to see him play yeah. and he's running around the stage and crowd surfing it's funny i took my kids um we saw springsteen one week and then the next week we saw zz top and zz okay. top was great and they're there they played for like an hour and they went off the stage and my youngest son was like, oh, did they, why are they leaving so early? Did they need to take a nap or something? And uh, they were like, uh, they, you know, Bruce Springsteen played much more than they did. I was like, right. And Bruce Springsteen's older than the guys in ZZ yes. Top and he kicked their butts. Yeah, it, it was the closest I had to that is I had gone to, um, I, I, it was, I can't remember if it was Cleveland or Louisville. But we had saw Bruce during the Wrecking Ball tour, and then we had tickets. Um, and my my first musical obsession in 1977, I bought a Beach Boys "Endless Summer" eight track, and fell in love with those harmonies. Never heard right anything on. like yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and became obsessed with Brian Wilson and the Boys. And so it was the Beach Boys 50th anniversary tour. So they had everyone back, you know, uh, including David Marks and they had Bruce Johnston and just everyone who was alive was touring. And um, and I had a blast. I loved it. But, you know, as we're driving home, my wife and I are like within seven days, we saw Bruce, who 10 years younger than most of the guys, the beach boys, but you could say roughly, right. Yeah. That, and you know, they had a 90 minute pop show, nothing out of place there. They had their banter pre programmed. It was done. And Bruce just, it, it was just night and day and, um, and, and nothing against Brian Wilson. The other thing I brought up and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, you know, in 2020, we get letter to you, a, I think an absolutely amazing album. I, uh, I know most people feel that way. Uh, if you try to measure it against some of his greatest works, okay, maybe some of us will. I think it holds up, but I understand people who don't. Brian Wilson's latest CD was him playing a piano of all his hits. Absolutely amazing CD, yeah. but brand new material. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. you know, going back to the well and doing something different. One of them is continuing to stretch themselves creatively. Brian, with his mental illness, I'm great. I love the CD. I'm going to select whatever you want, but just the difference of the people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. He's definitely not, he's old enough to be on that oldie circuit. Yes. That just, I'm going to come out and play the hits like uh, Buffett. You know, Jimmy Buffett goes on the road every year. Uh, I'm not a big Jimmy Buffett fan, but if I go, I know all the songs. Yes. You know, he's up trying new material and Springsteen just continues to push himself. And I completely agree with you on letter to you. I thought that was a, I think the world needed a Springsteen album. I think that was as timely as when the rising came out. Like yes. there's always that story that he was walking on the beach in Asbury park and somebody passed him and rolled down the window. and was like, yeah. we need you now go make right. this album after nine 11. I felt like in light of what was, what's going on in the world, we needed that. Um, and yeah, I, I can't think of any of his contemporaries age wise that are still making music that are like, man, this is still really, really good. Yeah. Like I had that. I, I, during the fall of 2020, you know, I'd made the comment that, because there was a rumor there may be a new album. And I'd said, if I get a new album and a new president, then 2020 won't be the worst year ever. Um, and uh, it was it was amazing to see. And then it also was beautiful, all the press he did and all much he shared about himself and the music. Uh, pretty, pretty phenomenal. It was really cool seeing like the videos of the band, like getting together, being in the room and recording it and again in light of everything that was going on. Yes. Really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, you mentioned you've seen him multiple times. Uh, I always like to preface this. The amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I have a couple of young fans that have been on the podcast multiple times that this past summer, Springsteen on Broadway was their first chance to see him perform live uh, and they were thrilled but for the record have you counted how many times and if so what's the it's, number yeah it's it's 20 okay so I'm right I think I'm right in a sweet spot around the uh yeah you know, the hardcore and the casual but like yeah. you said not everybody can can go right. see him and geography economics and and everything it it truly does make a big difference uh you know you're um, you know, people who were found him in the middle 70s living in that Jersey, Philly, New York area, you know, got a lot of chance to see a lot of shows. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm close enough that, you know, I could go to New York. I can go to Newark. I can go to Philadelphia. I've seen him in Hershey. Um, I mean, I saw him in Philadelphia and he's walked out and he's started this like my people. Yeah. Like that's a like seeing him. For me, that's a home game for me. Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, I'm in his back. He drives home and sleeps in his own bed. With, exactly. You know, yeah. Him, so um, I've never seen him in Asbury Park as much as I, I go there and I hang mm -hmm. out there. I've never run into him anywhere. OK, um, 
I've missed him by like a night. You know, like he'll show up at the Wonder Bar and play for three yeah. hours. My uh, my wife used to be a teacher in Asbury Park, and I was like, man, you're going to go out to happy hour one night, and he's going to be sitting at the bar next to you. And I just, I have friends that have had those experiences, but I, I never have. I um the I I love that telling your wife about that. Um, my wife, before she retired, worked for a company that had two headquarters. Uh, they had one in New York and the other in Cleveland, and um, they were filming the first Avengers movie while she was there for a business meeting. And I was like, okay, you know, this is what Scarlett Johansson looks like. This is what Josh Weed looks like. And she's like, I do not care. Leave me alone. Like, no, no, no. You've you, if you see, you have to take a photo. Um, the the any stories from shows you want to share? Uh, fun wow. things that happened. Man, I I have so many Good. awesome awesome stories of this stuff. Um, I the one time I uh, I took my kids to go see him at MetLife Stadium, and it was the first time my kids had ever seen them seen him. And now, uh, how old are your kids? Uh, 18, 17, and thirteen. Okay. So this was on, this was, I guess, 2012. We took the kids to, I took my kids to go see them. And it was the show he played. It was the longest show he played in the US. So it was the one that went over. It was like four hours and 12 minutes. Okay. And I start becoming aware of what is going on and I'm going nuts. I'm like, he's going to make this record. And um, my kids were just like, my my son was like, he doesn't stop. And I was like, right, we're in this for the long haul. And we're, we're driving home from the turnpike and my, my son falls asleep. I get him up for school the next morning. And he's like, I don't want to go to school today. So I'm like, rock and roll just kicked your butt. I'm like, yes, you just got smoked by a 70 year old man who just kicked your kicked your ass. Yes, rock and roll. that's funny. Um, I was at the, uh, the his birthday show in 2012 where he was like cutting cake and handed out to everybody in the audience. Just those little those little tiny moments. You know, I've had saw um actually one story that i thought was really cool my my i took my just my wife and i went so i guess the last time he played a couple nights in philadelphia went to every night most the two of them were with the kids and the one time it was just my wife and i and we splurged for better seats like on the on the field and we got in and our seats weren't there there was like the rigging was up and we're like where's our seats and somebody was like sorry yeah we laid out the the field your seats aren't here here are better seats and we actually wound up sitting next to Bruce's sister. Oh, how fun. Which, which was kind of, you know, I didn't talk to her. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. But one of yeah. the security guards pointed out who it was. But we were close enough as as Bruce ran around. He like brushed up against my wife. And it was like, out of all the times I've seen him, it was the the closest I've ever been right. to him, which was just awesome. That is awesome. Now, is your wife a fan? She is. She had been casual. And then okay. I guess when we started dating, she got she got sucked in. Um, she's always down for going to a concert, but uh, I think she kind of indulges me a little bit as well. I mean, we took a day off to go up to Manhattan to the book signing with the kids. Yeah, um, that's actually a, a pretty cool story. So we Please. we took the day off with the five of us, me and my three kids, and we waited in the line. And I was like, what do you say to him? Right. Like, they'd be like, my name is Bruce, too. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I'm like. Uh, you get the five seconds and he was like, um, oh, you took your kids out of school for this. Not a lot of young fans here. And I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, that's good parenting. And I was like, Bruce Springsteen just called me a good parent. And then yes. my 
my daughter started crying after she met him. And I was like, well, that's awesome that you started crying because you started before I could start crying after. Yes. And it was just such a cool. I was like, where Springsteen said I was a good parent. I um, a couple of things in mind me. One, I had a guy on who told the story that he was um, a friend of his knew someone that got them backstage at a late night gig I can't remember which late night show it was but Bruce is performing and he got to meet um, them and the guy ends up asking Bruce um, my wife and I are thinking about having another kid and you know what do you think and he's like what are you asking me for and everything but he did end up saying he says just the only thing I'm going to tell you is um it's forever. That's my only thing is if you're going to do it, remember parenting's forever. And I thought it was a great story. Um, my story and is uh, I found out that he was going to be in Austin and, you know, this is the second round of book appearances. And so I, um, I had just started a new job and uh let me make a note that to edit this story out because people have heard it way too many times. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, book signing story. Um, you haven't heard it though. So, um, so I'm like, okay, like, man, do I ask for this brand new job to have the day off to go see Bruce Springsteen? Right. Like they're going to look at me like I am fucking crazy. So I, I went online, like, well, the odds are I won't get a ticket. I got a ticket, right? Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's, it's only 35 bucks. If I ended up not going, well, whatever. And um, when I started the new gig, turned out there were like four or five open recs for this tech support team I was managing. And I, um, so we weren't going out of town. So I reached out to everyone that had applied and I said, Hey, you don't have to do this, but if you're not going out of town for Thanksgiving, I will be in the office on Friday. We're closed, but we can interview. It's the Friday. Don't worry about dressing up. Just, just come in casual clothes. This is just, you know, and if you can't make it, no big deal. We'll schedule after Thanksgiving. So I ended up, I had like six or seven people had nothing to do. They came in and interviewed. So I was telling my boss about this the next week. And he says, you worked on the Friday after Thanksgiving. That's a holiday. Oh yeah. But I, you know, I really wanted to get these wrecks. And he, he said, well, if you need a day off later, then I'll give you one. Right on. I said, well, it just so happens. Right. Funny <laughs> and I, you should say that. Yeah. And so I told him the story. And he said, oh, you have to go to Austin. Yes, no problem. I would have told you yes if you hadn't worked. So I'm getting up that morning driving. And uh, I'll tell you, Bruce, uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've seen The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, at the very beginning of the movie where um, the guy's sitting out there saying over and over again what he's going to say to Vito Corleone, right? Yep. Yep. It'd be a masculine child with the blessing that was me all the way in the car what am i going to say just practicing over and over and over again uh knowing that i have five to seven seconds yep. and uh so um he all i said was um last year i spent nine months being unemployed 
and I listen to Better Days and Land of Hope and Dreams every day to keep me inspired. And I just want to thank you for that. I don't think he heard it, but I've said many times I need to say it more than I needed him to hear it. And it was enough. And I got my picture. There's two pictures of us. One is us looking on the other one. I'm talking to and all my friends and I definitely will cut this out. They say it looks like I'm going Come on my face, Bruce. Come on my face. <laughs> Just right now. Just please. <laughs> hey, it happens to all of us. You know? Exactly. Yes. So anyway, Bruce, if no matter what, you can f- know the fact that Bruce thought you were a good parent. Yeah. And I, I had to say, you know, you got five seconds. I said, you've written the soundtrack that's been playing behind me for several parts of my life. And, you know, I'm sure I said nothing that a million other people have said to him, but you know, it's such a cool opportunity to meet somebody that you, you're into that much, you know, to get that moment yeah. to meet a musician that means that much to you. And what I thought was amazing is someone wrote an article about that. He was a, a perfect author from a publishing perspective. Um, you know, he, I guess, did very, argued with his editor very little. Um, you know, the story, right, he, he shows up and says, hey, you guys published this children's book that I, you know, that was Outlaw Pete, like, do you guys want this? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then, you know, and he did so much publicity. I mean, going around, uh, you know, doing um, interviews and, uh, you know, had all those signed copies that I guess went to him. I just can imagine that, right? This box of that one page where he just signed, signed, signs, yes. put him back in there, mail it back, and then they print it together. So it was great. I have I have five copies of it on a shelf I'm looking at right now. So yes. it's like we made sure, you know, me and everybody in the family, we all had to get a copy to go to the book signing and it was uh, very cool. Oh, that's very cool. I have, um, you know, I had bought the original book. Um, then I had the signed book. Then I had to buy the paperback. And then uh, I bought the audio because I wanted to hear him in, in hear his him own voice. It, sure. Yeah. So it was good. I, I've heard that what you, I really need to do is listen to little Steven read his book. I have not done that yet. I read the book, but they say little Steven doing it is pretty fun. Yeah. I haven't read his book yet, but it's on my, my to-do list of things to get yeah. around to. He's great, man. Do you listen yeah. to his, um his serious channel? I all? do. It's great. It's like a, it's like a history lesson at the, at, and rock and yes. roll at the same time. It's great. Well, yeah. And that's kind of what, the his autobiography is a lot about that and a lot about the the stories and done um all right let's get off springsteen for a little bit all right so you you and your buddies um it's covid you guys can't meet at the bar anymore so you guys decide to do prisoners of rock and roll podcast you've told me the origins now but then tell me kind of how do you guys decide the topics and what what give me a little bit behind the scenes mechanism mechanism of that i can't talk today yes (laughs) yeah sure so a little little inside baseball so we do a show every two weeks because uh we just we just don't have the time to put to crank one out that much um Mm -hmm. but yeah we've uh we've got a long like a google doc of just different ideas i guess the first episode we did was does motley crew belong in the rock and roll hall of fame like yeah they're kind of they're dirt bags but they had a lot of really good music and it just kind of spiraled from there and then it became like um you know, oh, we should talk about like the Rat Pack. Let's just dive into them and tell their story. Really fascinating. Let's do the history of punk music. Um, I think the next episode we're going to do like 
the three of us don't really particularly like the band Rush, but we're going to sit down and try to objectively listen to an album for Rush and do an episode like, does Rush stink or don't they? Um, yeah, so we kind of go all over the place. Um, I think it's also good that we spend every two weeks because we do get pretty we try to do a lot of research we try to bring something to the table that you know i always say like we're here to educate and entertain you know i want you to have a laugh and i want you to learn something um we play some quick music clips we talk through stuff um we do a thing every episode called the electric chair since we're the prisoners of rock and roll where we pick right. a song that we think stinks and we we kill it because we're like this is terrible um I think we just killed uh, Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus at our last episode because we did an episode on uh, music that turns 30 years old in 2022. So we went back to our high school years of 1992 and talked about everything. Um, and it's just a lot of fun, man. I love I feel like every episode I, I learned something. Um, it's I think I know a little I think I'm smarter than the average bear when it comes to music, but I wind up learning all kinds of cool stuff. And it's just great to just talk about music as i'm sure you know yeah it is i i love hearing this so it's you and two buddies correct so there's three of you correct do each of you kind of have your own expertise or kind of angle where you come on it come for it yeah i think so um i'm probably more of the nerd out of the three of us okay um, i'm also not a musician the other two guys that i'm in the i do the show with are uh and they're in a band together they're they're twin brothers. They run a business together and they're in a band together. So it's great to hear them. Uh, at one point, if we get popular enough, we'll release the outtakes of when they start arguing with each other oh, I bet. <laughs> during, during the show. It's, it's great. It's probably like getting a seat at their Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, yes. Yeah, we all have a, we all have a little bit of different tastes on things, which is which is cool. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's fun having three people at the table because you're constantly there's somebody to bounce something off of and we have our disagreements and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that 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 does sound fun. Do is there one episode that you especially are surprised how good it came out? Like yeah. I thought this would be eh, this will be OK. And you end up going, wow, that was great. Yeah, we did an episode on the history of Sun Records. We did okay. it pretty early. And uh, the, the all three of us were really into that real early 50 sound. I think a lot of this comes out of like why I like Springsteen so much, because he yeah. does have a lot of that doo-wop sound in his sure. stuff and all that throwback rock and roll, you know, having Gary U.S. Bonds on do a lot of stuff with him. Um, and we did a show on that and we covered, you know, the big Elvis and Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis. But we found a lot of like, really like one-off obscure people and i was like man we found a lot of like really really cool stuff that i've never heard of before and you're also like that's where rock and roll started like that's the beginning of all of this is right there it was really cool we i had started a new job um in february of 2020 talk about great timing i i got hired and we, my wife and I were like, holy crap, what if you had not get hired? And then you're trying to find a job in April of 2020. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I started a new job and um, by they gave me an offer and when I was going to start, I had like a week and a half, two weeks to go. And so we did a long weekend in Memphis um, and I created a Memphis in the meantime playlist with some John Hyatt on it. And, um, and we were amazed 
I mean, we thought Nashville was a music town. Memphis was amazing. Uh, we went to the Strax Museum. We went to Sun Records. We went to, they had so many music museums and so many live music venues and we had a blast we're like this was talk about heavy music it was wonderful my uh my wife and i were in nashville on vacation and we drove out to memphis for a day and did yeah. graceland and beale street and we walked into into bb king's place at like yeah. three o'clock on a saturday afternoon and it was like i forget who the guy was the guy playing bass with the house band was in like the rock and roll hall of fame and yeah. you're just like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. just just hits you in the face, all this music. And yeah, I totally agree. Awesome, awesome place. Yeah. Um, New Orleans is hurting. Um, Frenchman Street is uh, for my um, 60th birthday um, or 58th birthday. I can't remember. A couple of years ago, we went to uh, New Orleans and we, we did not go to the French quarter. We stayed just on Frenchman street. And there was because of Treme, you know, the TV show that yeah. talked about all the music. And so we went to this and, um, this is one of my, my favorite stories is we're in the spotted calf spotted cat. And there, uh, was a piano player and, uh, two guitarists and they start, they going, Hey, we don't regularly gig together. So just pretend we're in your living room and we're just, we're just jamming. We're just going to play. And they were really good. She, she had a great voice and he had a good voice and it was just really, really nice. And so they take a break and they're passing the hat around, you know, for donations. And so she gets to me and uh, my wife says, go ahead and ask her. And she rolls her eyes and she goes, what? I said, well, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and she knows that I'm dying to ask you if you guys can play any Bruce Springsteen and she's going to make fun of me because, you know, and, and so she goes, Oh, Atlantic city is one of my favorite songs. Do you uh -huh. want me to do Atlantic city for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and they did. And it was amazing. I mean, it was just, and Linda laughs says, okay, I'm never going to make fun of you again. That was so great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we did a show on uh, Springsteen. That was a song I used as an example of the versatility of his music. Yes. So I played the Nebraska version and then I played the uh, live in New York version. And then I played the live in Dublin version. And it was like three completely different arrangements. You know, the New York yeah. has got that whole gospel build in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's like, it's just awesome that he could take this music and completely change it up and bring a completely different uh, slant to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then like when you hear um, like the, the band's version, you know, of like and you're just like, what is is this the same song? What what this is amazing. Um, I I tell this a lot that. If you take your if you were at a bar or, you know, a, any place where there's a singer songwriter and you go tip the jar and ask for a Springsteen song, there's a over 60% chance you're going to get them on fire. That's just, it's an easy, you know, the, it's an easy for them to do, to do it. Yeah. And, and I'm always happy. I mean, I, you know, it's Bruce, it's fine, but every once in a while I'll get, Oh, well we can do tougher than the rest. 
really? Or, you know, uh, or, or something, you know, something a little bit, uh, yeah, I, I can do that. Let me, let me do, you know, something or Atlantic City in that case. And then case, I'm always just very happy to hear that, you know, like when this duo said, oh, well, why don't I do tougher than the rest? Yes. How great yeah. is that? You know, something. Yeah. yeah. I was at um, one of the shows I saw him in Philly. It was one of the uh, some college kid had a sign up that just said, can I play No Surrender? I see your, your No Surrender shirt. Yeah. And he uh, said, like, can a college kid come up and play No Surrender with you? And I guess he had written the chord progression at the bottom of it. So Bruce would know mm-hmm. oh, this kid actually knows. And he brought him up and he let him play guitar. And I remember my wife and I were like, uh, my wife was like, I don't know who this kid is, but I'm so proud of him because he was like he got in like the line with little Steven and Bruce and they were like dancing with a guitar together. And then I um, I don't know what I was doing on Twitter with my my, my podcast page. And I found this kid had a, a tweet. It was like, you know, I follow Springsteen as a topic. Yeah. So it showed up and it was like, I'm the kid who got up on stage with Bruce Springsteen in like 2012 or something. And yeah. I was like, dude. You were awesome. I still ha- I have like a bootleg of you doing this and right on. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Alcoin. Yes. And yes. Uh, yes, he was on the podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, so that's amazing. I, I will send you the link so you can hear the episode. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, just I, I, you know, he tells the story on the podcast and, um, you know, he's from like he was going to school in A&M at the time. And, uh, so, uh, I, and I, I talked about it. I said, when A&M student Matthew Alcon is asking about visit visiting Philadelphia, he's able to brag about more than just getting a great cheesesteak. Uh, yeah, he was great. Um, the That's other so thing, funny. I, That's yeah. great, man. I'm definitely going to listen to this tomorrow. Oh yeah. He, you know, he was so good. Um, the other one I had is, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, in Houston, uh, the two brothers got on with No Surrender, and they played with the band during this was the High Hopes tour. Um, I ended up getting them on the stage, and that was so much fun. And then what was even funner is um, my wife and I were going down to Austin to hear John Hyatt play, and they on Twitter said, Oh, Jesse, we're going to the show too. And so we got to meet before the show and got to talk and take pictures and visit together. We had never met in person, just been on the podcast. And, uh, and so I was able to show my wife real quick. Like we were in the hotel room, like here, watch this video. And she's like, Oh man, there's, I remember that because she was at the show. I said, so that's who we're going to meet before the show. So um, there is a bond with among Springsteen fandom. That's how this whole show works is that, I call out to people like yourself, like, Hey, do you want to talk Bruce? And 99% of the people I get are amazing storytellers and just good people. Yeah. I think we all have those, those moments where something cool happened or something was touching. Um, it's just, it's just a great experience. Um, I guess you're a really big John Hyatt fan because you mentioned him a couple times. Very cool. Yeah. Um, in fact, I just had, um, uh, Michael Elliott, um, wrote a book about him and uh, I reached out to him and I said, Hey, would you want to be on the podcast? Then he did. So he joined me. Turns out he's a huge Springsteen fan. So he's going to come hmm. back and talk Bruce. But um, one of my wife's best friends, um, well, what, uh, she was friends with a girl named Jennifer from like first grade. 
you know, this is that small town in Louisiana where, you know, you, you go to Catholic school, you know, first through eighth grade, and then you go to the Catholic high school. So she had been friends of Jennifer since the first grade and Jennifer started dating a guy named Rick. And Rick was a huge John Hyatt fan, just loved Slugline and all this stuff. And so because of him, we got to know it. And uh, so um, we just kind of ended up being great Hyatt fans. And so that's someone that I when I talk about underappreciated musicians, he is someone who comes up that is known more as a songwriter, uh, but is a, puts on a good show. Nothing Bruce wise. Of course, no one does, you know, that, yeah. Um, I was actually, the Eagles um, were here in Dallas for the hotel California anniversary tour. And uh, Vince Gill was filling in uh, for Glenn Fry, and the show ended up lasting three hours, but they had two, you know, kind of uh, breaks in the middle of it. But it was still a pretty decent show, compared to um, nothing against James Taylor, but like when we we went to a Bruce show and then we went and saw James Taylor, and I love James Taylor, but I was like, I'm not saying he's mailing it in, Linda, but 90 minutes, he's he's in and out. Sweet baby James, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I saw um Leonard Cohen on his last tour and Ooh. he was he was in his 80s and he played for 3 hours. Oh, and wow. he was um he was in a three-piece suit and he had a hat on. He was like kind of skipping around the stage and I was like, "Oh wow. Man, this is really really cool." Good. Oh yeah, that's um uh that would have been a cool show to go to. Um I uh, um <laughs> In a weirdness, um, I the monkeys, Michael Nesmith and uh, Mickey Dolans were touring, and I bought the tickets before COVID, and they ended up making it. Um, and we went and saw, and boy, Michael Nesmith looked bad. I mean, yeah, uh, I heard you, know, you talking about this on one of your yeah, shows with and somebody. It was just, I was really it was i was not shocked when you a couple months later you heard he passed so but it was a fun show it, it was a really fun show i think and i don't know about you i'd love to hear your thoughts on it because you talked about going to a lot of shows that that year and a half two years during covid it was rough we talk about this on our show all the time like if there's somebody who's coming around and if you're on the fence about seeing him just go because you never know, like it might be your last shot. You know, yeah, you could have COVID. They could pass away. You know, like, all right, chances are pretty good. Springsteen's not going to come around in 2022, 2023. They're all a year older. Now, I know he's yeah. in great shape and he's he's got a lot of highway miles on him. It's not all uh, off road miles, but, but uh, he's still in his mid 70s. And, you know, it's- you know, based on his mom who's in her 90s who now has dementia you know and i he talks about that on the broadway show but as far as you know he comes from um good stock as they say down south yeah. right but you're right i mean the road in front of them is shorter than the road behind them and i believe that's why when i saw them on that river tour in 2016 there was such a joy to them playing because you you knew they were like okay we don't know how many more times we're gonna get to do this let's let's have fun the umbrella of his mortality kind of hangs over the whole letter to you album yeah he's 
he's confronting it. And yeah, the last time I saw him at his show, the the show I was mentioning where we got the upgraded tickets, he got done and, and I started crying. I was like, this might be the last time I see him. And this means so much to me. And you know, I had a couple beers in me and my, yeah. you know, my wife was like, he's going to do this until he, he can't anymore, but you don't know when that is. I mean, like, right. right? Like the stones just went on a road and Charlie Watts passed away and they're, yeah. they're not going to be the same band. Exactly. And I love the idea. And you may have heard this because we talked about this fairly recently, right? Is there's, of noise like well you know he's 70 can we expect four-hour shows anymore and you know maybe we get it and um you know i had the guy who was at the steve earl benefit on the podcast and he talked about man that 20 minutes i had i was as happy as a three-hour show he said trust me right he says it it isn't it's the energy and the the passion he's showing and so it you know, as as Dale said, I don't think it's in their GN- DNA to do a 90 minute show. He said, but we get a two, uh, two and a half hour show. We're not going to complain. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, he he has such a young spirit with some of the artists, even that he collaborates with. Yes. Yeah. You know, like bringing Tom Morello out on yeah. the tour or the stuff he does with the Dropkick Murphys or, you know, yeah. all these other acts, these guys that are 30 years younger than him. Right. And I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm drawing a blank with the Saturday Night Live guest that he had done the song with just a couple of weeks ago. There was the guy on Saturday Night Live and mm. my audience is yelling at me now. Um, so let me look this up. So um, yeah, uh, musical guest. They're because they're from Jersey and uh, bleachers, right? The bleachers. Mm. Okay. And, and he had done a song with them and they talked about that when they watched him perform on Saturday Night Live, the lead singer, they're like, he's a Bruce Springsteen wannabe. And it's like, no, he's a kid growing up in Jersey that, you know, became a musician. Of course, he's going to be influenced yeah. by him. It's funny. Yeah. I, um, uh, I saw the Dropkick Murphys at the Stone Pony at okay. their outdoor stage and you know he had done some stuff with them yeah and uh you know the the the, the murmur through the crowd was if bruce wasn't on the road he lives 10 minutes away it's asbury park he's showing up yeah and ken casey from the drock murphy's gets up and he's like ladies and gentlemen i have a very very special announcement mr bruce springsteen and i go crazy he's like will not be here He's like, and I bet half of you bought tickets because you thought he was showing. Oh, he was going to show up. And I was like jumping up and down. I was like, ah, that's awesome. I love that. And he just totally just just teased everybody. It was it was awesome. Yeah, I, I had a coworker that uh, a couple of summers ago. Uh, so this would have been a couple summers before COVID. So it might have been 18, 19. But um he must have been 19, but he came to me and he said, Jesse, I got to tell you a story. I'm like, oh, what's going on? He says, um, we had tickets to go see Southside Johnny on the 4th of July. And we had spent all day and we looked at each other. And my girlfriend and I are like, I'm kind of tired, like me too. And, you know, as much as I love Southside, his voice is kind of going, would it be okay if we just stayed here? Yeah, let's just stay here. And he says, and Bruce came up and played with him. And I'm like, you know, he's just like, 
I just why was I being lazy? We we um the one year the so Asbury Park has a huge music festival on the boardwalk on the beach. Yeah. And uh like three or four years ago, Social Distortion was headlining. And after Springsteen, Social Distortion is one of my favorite bands. Okay. And my wife was like, let's just go. Like we don't have tickets. We'll just stand on the boardwalk and we'll listen to it. I'm like, ah, like I had just seen Social Distortion like three days earlier at the Stone Pony. I saw him in Philly a week before. I'm like, I'm good. And then son of a bitch Springsteen showed up and he played the entire set with social distortion and they were doing Springsteen songs and Bruce was singing social D songs. And I'm like, just again, if you're on the fence about something, just go because you never know if it's your last chance, you'll see something awesome. Absolutely. Um, we kind of, uh, we've talked a while. I hope, are you still good on time? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Favorite songs, albums, stories behind it that kind of mean a lot to you yeah um i love the racing in the street uh 78 Mm -hmm. i love that i love that version off of the promise i love the video that comes with the promise box set of him in the carousel at asbury park doing that um I took my wedding photos in front of that carousel, not because of Springsteen. My wife would kill me if I was like, can we go to all the Springsteen places to get photos? But um, I just I love that version of it. I'm not even sure what the difference, why I love that so much more than the uh, the version off of Darkness on the Edge of Town. Uh, I mentioned Lonesome Day. I love that song um, for you. I love uh, the version of that that he does it. the. Uh, uh, he did at the Odeon, the Hammerstein mm-hmm. Odeon in London. Yeah. It was just like really slow down and chill. Um, really love that version too. All right. Very nice. Um, is there any songs you're chasing? Is there songs that you haven't heard him do live that you want to hear, excluding Western Stars and Letter to You? Uh, <laughs> because see, I had, we. Yeah. Check, 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 check. So, well, if I was the priest, was around before that. So yeah, I'm going to fair kinda, enough. Okay, I I'm going to dance. A, I the judge will allow that. Yes, I okay. agree. Yeah, I yeah. you know I I put if I was the priest or ghost just because. Well, one I I loved if I was the priest. That's one of those like you could find those bootlegs of it floating around like back in the Columbia audition yeah. kind of stuff. Um, it's just a great song, and I love how he kind of pulled that forward and modernized it, and the energy on a song like ghosts i'm like man that song is gonna rock when the whole band is going crazy um i a couple of songs off that album are just gonna sound really really good when he's live and running around the stage so in my mind i thought they should open with burning train but then i heard ghosts and i'm like oh you know a ghost on like saturday night live and i'm like okay maybe i'm wrong um yeah i agree there's just so much wonderful um my new wish list is okay bruce you can't tour but can you get the band together in the barn and you do a western stars type can you do letter to you and maybe throw in a few sh- you know can you do a tight two-hour set and let's just do it pay-per-view i mean we makes a lot of money off pay-per-view right. let's go for it yeah like uh I guess the summer of 2020, like the Dropkick Murphys did a show like live from Fenway Park. Yes. Like there was no one there. And then Bruce was on the, yeah, the Jumbotron, exactly. you know, and right. I'm, I'm standing there, you know, blocked out two inches from the TV. Like this yes. is as close as I'm going to get this year to yes. see him live. Yeah. Uh, my son watched that with me and was thought that was the coolest thing that, uh, you know, he was good. Um, by the way, I, 
you were talking earlier about your uh, children talking about it. Uh, so my son went in 2016. So that would have made him about 25, 26. And he had never seen Bruce before. And he was playing in Oklahoma City. And Chris said, yeah, I'll go with you, dad. And I think part of it was, yeah, to see Bruce, but mostly road trip with his dad, right? We'll go up there. We'll go, you know, we'll, um, we'll get something good to eat. We'll, we'll go to, we'll drink afterwards. It'll be fun. And so he, and he didn't want to know anything before he said, nope, I don't need to, I don't want to do homework. I just want to go and experience it. And so, so we're coming back home and the first thing was interesting is after the show, I said, do you want to go to a bar, get a drink or something? I just want to go to the hotel, dad. <laughs> like, okay. And we woke up, you know, and we, um, we, we got, you know, we stopped at a, like some donut shop and we got coffee and juice and some like kolaches or something. And we're driving in the car. And I said, do you mind if I record, we do a quick, discussion he goes no 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 and so he starts talking about it and he's like dad bruce doesn't play he said there's no time between songs where they mull around he said you got to be ready because he finishes a song and then before you can even take a breath it goes three two one and he goes in the next one I'm like yep and the other thing, because he is a sports nerd, he says, and I'm telling you right now, the Cowboys need to have receivers the way that his technician catches Bruce's guitar. He said, because <laughs> Bruce just throws that shit out there. And that guy, I said, his name's Kevin. He said, well, whatever his name is, Kevin catches that guitar and Bruce is not making it easy for him. He said, he said, it's, I've never seen anything like it. Um and the funniest thing, and he says that that song about hating on Mondays, thinking about Friday. I said, yeah, out in the street. I really like that. And what's the name of the song where he crowd surfs on the thing? I said, Hungry Heart. I want to hear those again. He says the next time. I hope he does those. Uh, but the only the thing I love, he says, but why does he do shout? like I, I don't know Chris I mean is it an eighth grade dance he says I just of all the songs yeah. he says it was fun don't get me wrong he's doing it great so uh he then we went up to New York and uh we were at one of those Met shows too there was the two then they had a break and then they had the third one yeah and so we were at the second one and Chris was just excited that you know um this is where the Giants and the Jets play. And as a Cowboy fan, I hate them. So this is kind of cool. Loves Charlie Brown. So he loved all the Snoopy, you know, and Charlie yeah. Brown. Man, and, you know, he was like, he says, Dad, we are so far away. Because, you know, we're, it's a football stadium. He says, and I just feel like we're next door to him. So uh, it was, so he is anxious all the time now. He's like, when's he going to tour again? We got to go again, dad. We got to go yeah. again. And my wife is the same way. She is a casual fan, but she's like, I haven't seen him live in a while. 
I'm ready to go see him live again. That that's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're, I think we're all ready for that experience yeah. and yeah, it meant life. I mean, that place is very, uh, it's very vertical. Yes. Now, if you're in the upper deck, you're looking like straight down. Yeah. Um, I've gone to a couple of games there. I've, I saw the Eagles play the jets there this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you feel like you're on top of everybody. Yes. Um, but I had the same experience. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm a zillion miles away when I'm yeah. in the upper deck there seeing Springsteen. Yeah, we did. And, and Chris to this day goes, and they have good popcorn. <laughs> like, so when the Cowboys are playing at the Giants, you know, at a home game for the Giants, he's like, you know, they got good popcorn there, Pop. I go, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, this is great. This is really good. Um, other final thoughts before we... Uh, Move to the Mary question. I don't think so. I'm ready for the Mary question. Okay. Um, I had never actually even thought about whether she gets in the car or not. So I kind of had this moment of existential crisis where I was like, I never even thought of that. Um, so I say she gets in the car. That That is a song meant to me that when I hear, I can absolutely, I have this picture in my head. Of Hang what on that just a minute. Like. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. Um, There is a chance that someone who listens to the Prisoner of Rock and Roll podcast is listening to this and are going, what the hell is the Mary question? So I always like to preface this. No, no, no. You're good. I love the enthusiasm. Um, First off, by the way, the first time I heard this, I had the same thing. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Of course she gets to the car. What? That isn't even a question. Uh, Jay Armstrong, if, by the way, if you are a uh, fan of Bruce's podcast and you're joining because you want to hear Bruce, thank you for listening. Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. Uh, he recently retired, but he would spend two days on his honors English class, Breaking Apart Thunder Road. They look at all the lyrics, they talk about the themes, they compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And they treat, as should be, Thunder Road as a, a epic poem. And at the end of the two days, he asked the question, does Mary get in the car? And as Bruce was saying, that's something that I've never thought about. And I've now I end every podcast with that question. So Bruce, take it away. Yeah. So I, like I said, I, I had like a moment of like existential crisis when you asked me that I was like, I had never even considered it. Should I have considered it? Am I just being, did I jump to conclusions with the song? Um, I think she gets in the, she gets in the car. I, that is a song to me that I've always said like he's he's the poet laureate of rock and roll in the storytelling. And that song is a great example, because when I hear that, I have this vision of my head of what the screen door looks like. I can I have a vision in my head of what the dress looks like, where the guy is standing outside the car, like trying to convince like I have the whole thing perfectly pictured in my head like it's a move like it's a it's a movie. Um, and that in itself is probably one of the reasons that I am such a big Springsteen fan is that I can see that song in my head. Um, but to me, yeah, they, they got it. They both get in the car and they're getting out of Jersey. They're saying, you know, it's a, it's a town full of losers and she's right there with them trying to, trying to get out. I love it. Great answer. I appreciate it. Um, it is. I, I always like to share about 60% of my guests say yes, but 40% say no. Wow. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, some of the people, um, one of my most interesting answers was a guy said, absolutely. But um, on racing in the street, when she says she sits on her daddy's porch, he says, that's the same porch she was dancing across in Thunder Road. And I went, okay, never connected that before. Got that. And then someone said that if you listen to Moonlight Motel, that's, he says, Mary got in the car. They drove all the way to California. They had a life together. And now then he's mourning Mary's death. Moonlight Motel is the tail end of Thunder Road. Yeah. I've heard people say that uh, the river is the continuation right. of that and that they they hook up and things don't go that great. You know, they get married and, yeah. you know, but I, I, I kind of don't want to know what happens to them. You know, I want to leave it to my imagination. Well, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm still hoping, uh, Brian Koppelman, who is the co-creator of Billions, um, does a podcast and he had asked for questions. And so I had emailed and I said, you know, to his daughter, I said, hey, would you ask your dad, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? And she asked him the question. And he said, I've never thought about that. That's a great question. And he says, the reality is, I don't want to know. The beauty of the song is, I don't know. And if, if I knew the answer, it would make the song not as powerful. And I said, okay, I'll live with that. That's a great answer. Yeah. So that's good. Fair enough. That's yeah. the glory of like literature or music or it anything is. else, right? It's up to you to interpret. Yeah. Um, and that's why I cannot wait to hear uh, y'all's American Pie breakdown of, you know, because I'm sure there's so much in there that can be, there, there is no quote unquote right answer. There are different theories and we can, we can be almost sure this is what this is about, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. We played a lot of like the music that was inspired by it or things that we, or the symbolism that we thought was being yeah. referenced. We even went into like a, we found an old Chevy commercial from the fifties where uh, Dinah Shore is singing like drive your Chevy Cross yeah. the levee of America. Like we went that yeah. that deep into it. Really, really cool, man. It's a great song to if you want to yeah. get nerd and uh like English major and pick something apart, it's a great song to do. I, I think that is absolutely wonderful. Um Bruce, I knew I would have a blast. Thank you. This is this great. has been a lot of fun, man. I really I, appreciate it. You are welcome anytime. Thank you. Just if you come up with another topic you want to visit with, I would love to have you on. Um, you know, one of the things I do and um, I do songs of your life episodes, uh, where there's 11 questions, a uh, song you hate song you think is overrated song that made you fall in love with music. And they all have to be Bruce Springsteen songs <clears throat> and you can't use any of them more than once. So I'll send you those questions. And if you feel like joining me sometime, that'd be fun to do. I'd love to. We actually just started a, uh, a segment on our show called Visiting Hours, where we have yeah. somebody come in and talk about their podcast okay. and maybe some concert memories. And we'd love to hook up and have. Oh, you yeah, I would love to join us for a couple of minutes, too. That'd be great. Yeah, I absolutely would love that. And like awesome. I said, if, if you guys want to go do a Springsteen part two, I'd love to be a guest uh guest host and talk right. about it. that'd be great yeah, it's on our list this has been a blast jesse I oh really yeah thank it. you so if someone wants to reach you what's the best way yeah so our podcast is on we're prisoners to rock and roll.com we're on facebook we're on twitter uh we love talking to people on social media we normally read the comments on the show um 
So yeah, you can reach out to us that way. Go to iTunes rate and review. I, I will tell you there, nothing makes me happier when I see someone put a new uh, comment about how much they enjoy the podcast. So I know it's the same thing for you. That's just, it, it means the world to us. Bruce, thank you. This was great. Uh, listeners, uh, go get vaccinated, go get boosted. Let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. I want and need your feedback. You can reach me multiple ways to tell me what you like or don't like about the show. You can reach out to give me guest suggestions or maybe to join me on the podcast yourself. We're on Twitter at SetLustingBruce or at DFW. I have an Instagram, SetLustingBruce or DFW. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash setlustingbruce. Go to patreon.com slash setlustingbruce to find out how you can support the show. And we have several tiers of support. Please go to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe. And tell a friend about the podcast because that is the way we're going to grow. If you're not tired of hearing me speak, you can hear me on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, where Charles Skaggs and I talk all things Doctor Who, the How Many podcast, where me and my friends Gary, Scott, Bob, and Jr. talk pop culture, and finally, my newest podcast, the last Best Hope for Conversation, a Babylon 5 podcast, where Karen, Lou, and I are going through the TV show Babylon 5 one episode at a time. I am always looking for guests, so please reach out to me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.